Welcome to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, AgPhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Yeah, I was just chatting on the phone with the with farmer, and he, he said, man... Looked back at his weather record since 1987. He'd been keeping track of of uh, what was happening on their farm, and he said this was their latest start ever. They they had always gotten something in in April. This was the first year, second year ever that it was May, uh, and it was May 3rd for them, and that was their worst year ever since 87. I said, well, wow, that's actually not too bad <laughs> when you think about that, but uh, but still, you know, he was just talking about, well, here we go. We got this and we got this and we got this situation. And finally, we got to the bad ground. And he said, well, I've kind of figured out over the years, if I can raise a half a crop of beans, I'll do it before I'll take PP. And I said, well, what's the reason? He goes, man, I just spend so much time dealing with that ground. If I don't get it in, it seems like the weeds don't know it, that I was having trouble. And they just keep coming and coming. And there's always management. And then the next year, the crop's not quite as good and all this kind of stuff. He said, I'm just just better off putting beans in there, managing it, and uh, and seeing how I turn out. All right. I'm going to want to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a second. But before we do... I just want to give you more words of encouragement. We've been talking about this a lot lately. Um, we got to continue as farmers to stay positive about things. I feel fortunate on our farm. We're about a third done with soybeans, about three quarters done with corn. And, you know, tile has really helped us a tremendous amount where we have improved drainage. Um, we are really making a difference, even on our lowest, wettest piece um, yesterday we were doing tillage. Had we had about four more hours, we would have had it planted last night before the rain. But anyway, we'll get to that pretty quickly. Um, I, 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 I realize on your farm things may look bleak, but you know, as farmers, we just have to be thinking about the long run. We have to think about, hey, I'm going to just do the best I can with what Mother Nature deals me and, uh, and hope for the best. Yes, farming is tough, and that's why not everybody does it. Um, you got to have some pretty thick skin when you go through things, just like what Darren was talking about there. Latest start ever. Well, eventually we're all going to have our latest start ever. It's just unfortunately this is the year, and it comes at a time when commodity prices aren't the best. Although I will say, uh, like the corn price especially, boy, that has come up a lot in the last few days, so that's good news. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, got got one from Scott in Minnesota, and he said, I have quite a few soil samples that came back with a pH in the low 7s, 7 to 7.5. But here's the challenge. My base saturation calcium is 90%, and my magnesium is only 5%. The problem is that the parts per million of calcium, as you'll notice, 12,000 and magnesium. No, 1,300. I'm sorry, 1,200 and magnesium around 50 parts per million. Is there yep. a larger issue, and what can be done? Uh, let's see. This is northern Minnesota, it looks like, huh? Yes. Okay. So, well, what can be done is a couple of things. First of all, 
the number one thing we want you to take a look at is what else does your crop need? Where else are we short here? Okay, so like potassium, for example, we're at 3.2% base saturation K. It's not terrible, but for me, I'm working on building that. Uh, I look at the micronutrients, and the only one you even have a test for is boron. I'd like to see a test for everything. Honestly, I'm guessing your sulfur's low. Your boron's really low. Oh, I'll take that back. I do see a copper test on here now, and copper's low. Uh, there are a lot of things here that are low. So I, I'm going to make sure that I've got those things fixed. So just continue to work on those. Now with the magnesium, ideally what we're looking for, uh, and by the way, he's, for cation exchange capacity, 7.3 is all. So that's pretty light soil. Where I'm going with this is it'd be awesome if you could get some more magnesium out there. What magnesium does is it helps tighten a loose soil like what you have. Because with your sandy soil, you are going to suffer from drought in a lot of years. Well, if you tighten that soil up a little bit, you'll hold just a little more moisture, which would be a good thing for you. So I'd try to get that magnesium up at at least 12%, if not even more. So maybe a, a fertilizer like KMAG, for example, that's going to give you potassium and magnesium. Now, I don't know what the cost would be in your area or anything, but I'm just saying you could use both of those things. So the calcium is really not a problem. I have no issue with 1,300 parts per million. In fact, we see that number way higher in a lot of cases. That's okay. It's just you need more of about everything else. And it is going to be challenging to hold certain nutrients like boron and sulfur are also somewhat leachable, not as bad as nitrate, but they are somewhat leachable. So you're going to have to kind of spoon feed, continue putting those out year after year, and you'll be in good shape. But yeah, I'd really like to see a complete soil test and just continue to focus on all the nutrients that your crop needs and, uh, and tighten that soil up a little bit with a little more magnesium. That will help. Yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, these, these soil tests are interesting because there get to be some that, that are extreme, and that's, that's tough. When you say, oh, okay, I'm just a few percentage points off, uh, it might cost me a little bit of money, but, uh, yeah, in, in that case it may be a little bit more of a fix. The good thing is lighter soil, which takes less money to fix than, than heavier stuff. Okay, got one from Dell, and he said uh, glyphosate has also been patented as an antimicrobial and metagenomics has shown a loss of microbial diversity. I believe he's blaming glyphosate by that. Um, okay. Well, whatever. I you mean, know, we get stuff we can, like this all the time. Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm getting sick of the glyphosate bashing thing. I mean, glyphosate's been an awesome product. It's not causing cancer. Look at the EPA and all the studies done all over the world. It's not causing cancer. We're not seeing less microbes in the soil. We've got side by side where we're not what, using I'll Roundup. I'll say this, Brian, with the microbial diversity, what, one thing we're seeing is guys specializing in crops. If you're raising yes. corn, well, guess what? All you planted right. in the whole field is corn. Well, guess yes. which microbes are going to proliferate? The right. ones that like corn. So, yeah, if you want more microbial diversity, use more of a crop rotation. Use some cover crops. Lots of ways to address that. It's Farmer Friday on today's show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with white mold showing up year after year in your soybeans? If you have tried fungicide applications and are still losing yield to white mold, now is the time to ask your seed dealer about Heads Up Plant Protectant. Heads Up is the first EPA-registered seed treatment for the prevention of white mold in soybeans and pulse crops. The first line of defense on your farm against white mold now starts with the right seed treatment package. 
Locate a Heads Up dealer near you by visiting HeadsUpST.com today. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Dave on with us right now out in Illinois. Uh, Dave, I know it's been a struggle planting where you're at. Uh, we've had a struggle here, too. Oh, you there, Dave? Yep. We got washed out again yesterday afternoon. Hello? Yep, yep, I'm listening. Okay, and what I'm interested in, we started on the week of the 21st of April and got a fair amount planted that week, but planted into relatively cold soils, and the crop that's up has taken more like 140 growing degree days to get up rather than 120, and it's relatively uneven. I've not heard very much in the press about the poor quality of stands that are up. Yeah, I really haven't either. I, I think, um, you know, going into to this year with those kind of conditions that you're going in, you just expect it's going to take a little extra to get things out of the ground. Well, what's interesting, and what you mentioned in Illinois, we've we've had uh, on our farm, honestly, we've had some pretty quick emergence. I mean, it's taken weeks. Don't get me wrong. We started planting April 26th. We had corn up this week, and we got, uh, boy, on the first – the first time we saw emergence, we had 19 out of 31 out of the ground. 12 hours later, we had another nine out, and 12 hours later, we had all 31 up. But we, we had a perfect stand, but we did a lot of extra things to make sure that happened, putting fungicide in the furrow, um, putting insecticide in the furrow, a little bit of pop-up, those kinds of things to try to make sure that we, we got stuff up. And we get a whole bunch of extra seed treatments. The, the, the thing is, Dave, it's kind of like – 
our, our dad was originally from Iowa and he would talk all the time about how they get all this rain and they had great soil and everything else. And it would be funny some years where we'd go back down to Iowa and we'd talk to guys and they're like, oh yeah, we got drought. And I go, well, how long have you gone without rain? Oh, it's been a week, week and a half. <laughs> I go, oh my gosh, it's all, it's all kind of relative. So when you talk about cold and wet, uh, we're planting into cold soils every year. So we're kind of used to it. We're also, we deal with dry. So, you know, what's, what's getting described to us in a lot of cases, we go, oh yeah, okay, that's, we're, we're used to dealing with that stuff, which is why we do all the extra things we do. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate, um, you know, when we look at seed treatments that are on corn, most companies will have three to five seed treatments on corn. And now we're putting as many as 33, 34 seed treatments on our corn, on our farm. And then we're doing these extra things, like Darren said, infurrow insecticide, infurrow fungicide, infurrow uh, uh, pop-up fertilizer. In fact, this year I actually made the executive decision and cut the fungicide infurrow because I said, well, we're planting a little late and our soils are actually warmer than they normally are. So... (laughs) We, I looked at it as I had warmer soils, but uh, I, all I'm saying here is, yes, if if the ground is cold, it's just a lot for that seed to try to handle. And there are, there are several different tests you can run on seed corn. There are some guys that will now take whatever seed corn they buy from whatever company they buy it from, and they will send it in for analysis so they know for sure. Because the tag will say one thing, and the tag will say whatever the germ test is. But the, what the farmer also wants to know in a lot of cases is what's the cold germination score and what's a saturated cold germination score. And many times that's where guys start to sort out, oh, okay, my cold germ isn't as good on this one, but it's better on this one. We've looked at some of those things even on our farm and said, yep, let's hold on to that variety. We'll wait until things are later and we feel more comfortable planting that variety later. So it's just taking it kind of to the next level. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because a lot of us have been kind of spoiled where we've had, you know, let's face it, pretty decent conditions a lot of years. You know, corn pops right out of the ground. We've had good stands, no real, uh, no real big concern. But when we get a year like this year, yeah, we do see a lot of issues. Now, you're bringing up corn. I'd also bring up soybeans. Uh, this year, we're seeing across the United States some of the worst germination scores on soybean lots. There are a lot of seed companies that have dropped certain varieties, certain lots, because they just haven't been as good as they wanted. So, yep, you're bringing up corn, but I'm also concerned about what happens when guys put their soybeans in the ground. Are the stands going to be good on those, too? Yeah, we have done the uh extra germination tests, including the cold saturation test for the last five years. Oh, awesome. The worst one this the worst one this year was fifty six, which isn't the worst one I've seen, but <laughs> wow. it's yep. still yep. yep, you you know what I'm talking about yeah. then. You see a fifty six yeah. and you go, Wow, if that's planted into cold conditions and I literally just ran a cold test on it you know, we're asking a lot when we say, oh, I want a perfect stand, yet I'm going to throw a 56% cold germ test in the ground. Yeah, exactly. And our beans, I think about half of when we've not put, we just put a few acres of beans in yesterday and quit because it was too wet. Yep. But our, about half of them are 85%, the other half are 90 which is... You know, that's 10% less than normal. Well, wait, are you talking germination score there or cold germ score? Yeah, no, germination score. Regular yeah, germ. not 10% less. Yeah, yeah. Regular okay. germ. Okay, I, I will say, though, the industry standard since, 
Darren and I were kids anyway, has always been 90%. And most companies right. will tag right. their beans at 90. Sometimes you'll see an 85. So that's, I, I, I know you're, you're saying it's 10% less than what you may normally have. And you're, you're probably right. But I'm just saying it's not like that's, uh, you know, the worst thing that we've ever heard. So hopefully that turns out okay. Yeah, well, there it's a lot warmer now than we're going to plant the beans anyway, yeah. so I'm not so concerned about that. Yes, that's 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 one of the very few good things that's happened with the uh, the delay here. Soil should be warmer. Well, hey, Dave, thanks a lot for calling in today. Um, yeah, sorry to hear that, uh, that that things are being delayed for you and the stands aren't perfect. But yeah, moving forward, I'd, I'd just continue to look hard at those cold germ tests and then maybe more seed treatments and just some more things you can do to help give your crop that extra boost. I know we've had to do that just because we're dealing with a lot of these conditions every year. Okay, thanks right. a lot. Your thanks, field Dave. Field day, day was very good last year. Awesome, thanks. Well, we're hoping it's even better this year, Dave, so maybe you'll make it back okay, out great. again. So, All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, the the cold conditions that a lot of seed went into is, is uh, interesting. You, what do you think, Brian? Two minutes? Take another call, or, or should sure, we go ahead. take an go email ahead. here? I, I hate to hate to go short here because we got got Mitch Hora on from the Fieldwork Podcast. Mitch, how you doing today? Hey guys, doing great. We're a little wet down in the southeast Iowa, but that's all right. Well, what'd you think, of Dave from Illinois? I mean, you guys have a lot of those same conditions, don't you? Yeah, we uh, got dumped on here, even out at the farm. Head over into rain this morning in a short amount of time. But uh, we finished up planting corn yesterday. So Outstanding. We're we're watching it rain with a smile on our face. Um, I mean, not not one that to rain too much. I was driving around checking on fields here today, seeing a lot more erosion than what I'd like to see. But um, a lot of farms though that have some good structure and have a lot of cover on them, and and they're still sitting okay. So I think we're going to be just fine. Hey, tell me about soil health when we have one of these years where we just have excessive rainfall. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the topic for uh, our conversation here today. But I think the biggest thing for me is that we've actually got the structure so that all that water can go down instead of off and across. Because when we're getting all this rain in a short amount of time, like we did here this morning, and uh, like we've seen already this spring a couple times, we don't want all that rainfall to come down so hard and fast and just take all of our soil with it. What we're seeing with improved soil health, not even only with cover crops, but just improving your soil, getting that structure to work and getting the water to go into your soil and not off is huge. It doesn't matter how much rain you get in a year. It's how much rain you get into your soil. And with better soil health, we're definitely doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you look at Brian, well, Brian's all over this topic with uh, improving your drainage and just allowing the soil microbes to live. We've been pumping water out of, we've got a lift station on one field, just pumping water out, trying to, to keep our microbes alive and, and uh, keep us in a spot where you're right, where the water keeps going through the soil instead of washing it away by running over the top. I've been talking with Mitchell Hora, Farms Down in Iowa. If you haven't checked out the Fieldwork podcast that he's doing with the millennial farmer, Zach Johnson, you got to check that out. Those guys are fun to listen to. Mitch, thank you so much, and good luck with what you're doing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, love to have everybody following along and uh, hit us up with any questions. Yeah, thanks. We'll be right back. 
Efficiency is important to the bottom line, but your nitrogen program can be a challenge, as rainfall can leach nitrogen needed for a profitable crop right out of the root zone. Applied with UAN fertilizer, Proximus from Actigrow is proven to reduce nitrate leaching up to 69% and increase nitrogen use efficiency. To improve your yield, ask your ag retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit StopLeaching.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. This year, you already made one smart choice by planting glufosinate-tolerant seeds. Now make another, Interline Herbicide from UPL. Interline controls tough, resistant weeds like pigweed, water hemp, mare's tail, and ragweed in glufosinate cropping systems. And with our new manufacturing facility, there'll be plenty of Interline to go around. So play it smart. Choose cost-effective Interline Herbicide. To learn more, contact your UPL distributor or sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Increase your productivity with Hypro's Dual React Control System. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You had a couple of questions about uh, that field work podcast that I mentioned uh, that, that Mitchell Hora and um, Zach Johnson are doing. You can find them on Twitter at FieldWorkTalk or... You can just go to fieldworktalk.org if you're interested in their program, what those guys are doing. Uh, let's head down to Iowa. we got Evan on with us right now. Evan, how's it going? Hey, you guys. Um, it's all right. I guess we had some more violent storms last night than I thought there was. I found out 20 minutes ago, a little bit south of us, and the machine sheds blew over. So things got a little crazy here wow. last night. But 
Um, I, yeah, I, I've kind of noticed this, some same, same things that Dave was talking about in Illinois on the corn emergence. We got all our corn done and most of our beans are done too, but, um, the GDUs that they came up with looked pretty good, but it was over the course of like three days. So it, it looks kind of ugly. So that's what I've been noticing there on the, on the corn, but, and we're not doing the extra things that Brian was talking about. You know, I wish we would, but, uh got other people i gotta work with so. <laughs> see you're kind of in the same boat as me here evan where where you got other family members you got to deal with now i'm <laughs> sitting across from one right now here that's my my primary uh uh i don't even know what to say i'll, I'll just leave it at that but yeah but how often do i say ideas. do i say don't invest money in something that we think is going to pay <laughs> well the good thing is evan <laughs> is he's a free spender so I, I guess maybe maybe someday that'll turn out to be a bad thing, but so far it's working wait, pretty wait, well. Wait, wait, wait. Rather than free spender, you got to rephrase that as a <laughs> cautious investor, yet optimistic. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I guess however you want to yeah. classify yourself there, but uh, I know what you mean, Evan. It's tough when you're not the sole decision maker, then you got other people that got to agree with you on stuff. But, uh, but I know you've done a lot of trial work over the last couple of years, which has been really interesting seeing some of the stuff that that you've been doing. So, uh, corn this year, you said it's, it's in the ground. How much of it's up? Uh, all of it now. Uh, we got, uh, 90 here yesterday. So that pretty much fixed all the problems there. Um, so it's all out now, but it just, it looked really ugly because of that cold, yep. cold spell. And it took 17, 19 different day, uh, days just to get it out of the ground. So that's not, not too impressive, but, uh, uh, I did a flag test side by side, same row, and I figured one, I'm just going to kind of do a seed trench uh, autopsy and figure out why some of those things happened. But one, one of them looked great and the other one didn't, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be going to be know. variable out there this year, I think is, is a pretty safe bet. Um, you know, when you look at, at uh, the foliar stuff coming up now, so you've already got you got all the corn out of the ground. It seems like it doesn't take many of those days, like you said, when we get to the upper 80s and low 90s. We push things along pretty quick. Uh, what's your next thing you're looking to get done? Do you got herbicide you got to apply yet? Do you got to get to start pulling some tissue tests and look at foliar feed? What what comes next? Uh, not quite there, but we're gonna. We still got to do some herbicide passes. Um, we might be buying a self-propelled sprayer this year, so I'm super pumped. I'm gonna do you know obviously tissue testing this year and I'm really excited to play with some stuff there but um one field I've got it I've got it uh at the six to eight percent base saturation K pH is, is is looking good and the calcium levels are awesome so I'm really excited about this field it's going to be soybeans this year um I put elemental sulfur on and I was thinking about putting on some calcium sulfur I bought a little three-point spreader Okay. Think about putting on some calcium sulfate here as soon as it gets dried out and we're planting's done and all that stuff, just to help the sulfate in the in the intermediary stage there before the elemental gets broken down. Then I was going to throw on two pounds of actual boron dry, and see what happens there. I yeah. want to build up. I want to build it up, uh, and then I, my question for you guys: I know you've been playing with the dry. Is how much? residual is there for next year i want to get what's your organic matter evan profile uh three-ish what uh what what's the c what's the cec 
16 to 18. Yeah, so we get a lot of similar stuff. It's just in your area, you're going to get a lot more rain than we are, and you're warmer than we are. So, mm-hmm. you know, for us, boron is going to last for years because our our ground, okay. yeah, 16 to 24 probably is going to hit our range for CEC, and we we have much less moisture and much less heat. So I'd just say for you, is it going to last in the future? Absolutely. The question is how long. I will tell you, last summer at our Ag PhD field day, I had a former crop consultant from Illinois. He'd actually, he was giving me a hard time because he goes, oh, I've been doing this dry boron thing with my guys for years now. I'm glad you guys finally figured it out. (laughs) And I go, why don't you tell me you were doing that a long time ago? But he said it was lasting for quite a long time. He said, even in Illinois, where they're going to have, you know, maybe a little heavier soil than you are, but they're going to also probably have a little more rainfall too uh, from his area. And he just said it was lasting for several years. So you'll just have to see. Uh, I mean, everybody's soil is different. Everybody's conditions are different. And like for us, I say, oh, we're really dry. And then last year we had double normal rainfall. So (laughs) you just, you never know from year to year. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I noticed last year on tissue samples from soybeans, and I can't tell you the number of days. I'm going to have to go back and look that up. But one week, the the levels of parts per million in the plant were, were great. You know, the advice that I was getting were say that they were great. And then the next week, the levels actually went up a little bit. But the advice that I was getting said, no, that's not enough. That, that's not good enough. You know, from good to bad in the course of a week, even though the levels went up a little bit. So I think I'm going to try a micronutrient pass, you know, a bunch of different uh, nutrients as a preventative when I see on the calendar that we're getting close to that stage and try to bring everything up a little bit. Because that, that was one thing that I noticed from last year. Yeah, I think, you know, when you, at the Ag PhD Field Day, we get the great opportunity to have world record growers and some state yield champs and so forth uh all speaking and talking about what they're doing. And it seems like with micronutrients, a lot of those guys have kind of figured out, all right, I need to get micros out at, you know, this stage or that stage. And and I remember last year, one of the guys was saying, well, I like to put all my micros out by V2 on corn. And I, I remember a lot of guys are like, what? V2, it's tiny little corn. And he's like, yeah, but I got to make sure I get enough moisture to get that stuff into the plant by the time I need it. And he said, if I do it at V2, I haven't missed yet. But if I wait until I'm trying to time it just right at, you know, V5 or, or different stages, he goes, I don't always get it in there when I need it. And I've had better yields that way. And yeah, so I find it interesting. I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing the same thing. And, you know, it may take you a couple of years to kind of dial in what you need because you guys are dry land, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then you're just kind of like we are. I mean, we're, we're just beholden for the next rain. And as soon as we get that rain, everything works out great. But, uh, but yeah, if you don't get it timely, it's, uh, you got to be out a little early. There's no doubt about it to be ahead of these things. Well, Hey, Evan, good luck. I, I know you got a lot of stuff going on on your farm this year and, and a lot of things that you're trying stay in touch and, uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. See you. you bet. Brian, uh, had a, had a comment. Let's see. Well, a couple of them, actually. That's uh, smooth there, Darren. Nice, <laughs> nice transition. Well, uh, I got one from Brent. And he said, <laughs> I'm up in, shuffling through I'm up in Saskatchewan, papers. and he said, all the seeds in the ground, but 
but I've got lawn issues and I've got to get ahead of them to, to try and keep my wife happy too. And he said, you know, you got all the normal things, but also some of these tough grasses are now creeping into the lawn like foxtail barley. We talk so often about killing the broadleaf weeds in, in grass with Freelux and these types of things. What on earth could kill a perennial grass in a perennial grass lawn? Well, out in pastures, there are some pastures that would be labeled, depending on your grass species, for plateau. It's Plateau is not labeled in lawns, though, that I know of. Maybe there's some combination that is labeled in lawns, but not that I know of. So I don't have a good answer well, it's kinda, for you. It's kind of like quack grass. You know, when you have quack, well, no, quack grass it's, in it's lawns, a, yeah, there isn't a product that, that's specific enough to kill that and not kill your Yeah, but I can't kill something. quack grass anywhere. Whereas, no. well, you can. whereas for foxtail barley, I can't. <laughs> well, no, I mean in any grass. I can kill it in pastures. I can kill foxtail barley in pastures with plateau. And I can't do that with quack. But anyway, we'll answer more of your questions coming up right after this. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grazon Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstoss.com to learn more about Grazon Next. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Think about a quarter inch of rain. That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro Herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track Tractor, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. 
So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com slash tracks. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions throughout the show because it's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We've got David with us down in Kentucky. He's been holding for a while. David, thank you for hanging in there. Hey, not a problem. So how are things? Uh, how are you guys doing? Well, we're doing okay. Uh, you know, a little wet again. Sunny. But... Yeah, sunny finally. We finally oh. have got some uh, weather coming our direction. It it looks like after we had a little rain last night, and it looks like maybe a little bit uh, Sunday night. Then after that, it looks like we got about a ten day stretch. Wow, that would be awesome. Yes, that'll because we're 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 not totally behind. We've got half our beans planted, no corn planted, but we're we're wanting to start on that Monday if the things work right. Yeah. Okay. So why the beans first? Why does that work better for you? Um. Where I'm at in southeastern Indiana, northern Kentucky, where I crop, we have tremendous deer problems. And I learned it's if you can get them planted before the, the deer have their fawns, they're just a little lethargic right before they give birth, and they're just a little slower to be out in the field. Oh, man. We, lost, we just lost David there. We'll have to catch him back here. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Deer problems, and I can already hear some calls coming in, Brian. We can help you with your deer problems, David. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, what our what our dad talked to me about a few different times over the years because we have some river bottom ground right next to trees, and it's it's terrible there. I mean, it's just disaster. It's probably uh, three to five acres that is probably sixty percent to eighty percent loss a lot of times. And granted, that may seem like small potatoes to some people, but I just I do get a charge out of some of these people who are really big wildlife promoters, and they call themselves conservationists, and they want to give some of us farmers a hard time, like, oh, you should do more for the wildlife and everything. And I go, are you nuts? Do you know how much crop I lose? We farm 3,000 acres. I'll bet you we lose at the grand total of 20 to 30 acres from livestock. I call it livestock every year. It's deer, it's birds, it's, you know, all these animals out there. Plus we have a couple of watershed dams on our property that we don't get paid for or anything. And it's just to help protect the river bottom ground so they don't flood out. And then there's all kinds of wildlife that's living in a lot of those things. So we've probably got, I don't know what it would be, 40, 50 acres. We get nothing off of. Plus, then we've got all these acres that the the wildlife eats every year. So I'd say we're absolutely doing way right, David, more than so, our part. So Brian's to keeping the all in with going. you on this deer strategy. <laughs> okay, so so uh, so the deer problems influence what you plant first and where. Yes, I always I always get the my hot spots for deer. We plant beans. Plus, after going to your all's field day last year and hearing Randy Dowdy talk about how. He liked to be so particular with planting corn. I, I, I grow if I, I only grow enough corn, or if I can't plant it in seven days, then I've got too much too much corn. 
what I can do, and that's kind of my cutoff. And I, uh, I try to plant my corn when things are right. And we don't, we won't go June 6th is kind of our cutoff for planting corn. So as long as we got corn planted in May, we, we feel real good about what we're doing. Interesting. Okay. So, so the beans, you got half in and then it's just been too wet to get the other half in so far. No, we well, honestly we got a half inch of rain last night, and that gave us just a natural. We'll start putting spraying our bean ground and plant as fast as we can go until something. We got a weather event today. We broke down planters, switched tractor, got things headed towards corn, and that's our next. As soon as the ground, because it's warm enough now, it's eighty two here today. Okay. And we'll uh, we'll we'll the corn will go in the ground. And it'll be out of the ground in just a few days, and. Like I said, I, I just did that by, by, by stupid luck. I'm a first-generation farmer and uh, learned a lot of things the hard way. And after hearing a guy like Randy talk about how important not to mud in your corn, I don't want to say – I ain't saying you can mud in beans, but beans are just – man, they're a tough, tough little dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of guys saying that this spring, too. They felt the beans are a lot more forgiving on, on some of the tough conditions and so forth. And, yeah, there are, there are quite a few guys that like to plant the beans first. So I just was curious, your strategy, and uh, and I guess back to your deer problem thing, if uh, if you need some help taking care of that, I probably know a few guys that could come down and help you. Hey, David, thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, having you on, and thanks for uh, thanks for coming up to the field day, too. Hope to Hope to see you again. I, I I believe I'm gonna bring my three boys, little girl, up this year. I uh, <laughs> I saw you guys had stuff for the kids, and last year it was a guys guys road trip. Well, this year it's gonna be the wife and my kids. So outstanding. outstanding. We, we are we are planning to do it. Very good. Well, thank you so much, David. Really appreciate yep. it. Have a great day, man. Bye-bye. You too. Got Mark on with us right now. Uh, Mark, how's it going today? pretty good uh waiting on a rain yeah okay so you're in the area that needs some rain or have you guys been getting it we've had plenty of it um (laughs) okay our annual rainfall is 52 inches a year and right now we're setting at 43 inches for the year wow (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy that is crazy so in the meantime have you gotten much crop in well, we uh, we got our corn planted the first time, and I guess we needed some more practice, so we got to do it again. And then it drowned out the 1,100 acres that we replanted with a 7-inch rain, so we get to kill it and plant beans now. Wow. Yeah, that's frustrating. That is frustrating. Uh, yeah. Well, so. Yeah. We know- did get we did get to save we did get to save 500 out of the out of the 15, but or or something so that's better than none i guess now you mentioned a seven inch rain and that's been one of the challenges this year is a lot of these rainfall events have been so big uh is there a way to strategize around that i mean if you could go back in time other than just not planting and just waiting because you knew it was coming is there anything else you'd do well that's that's about it uh the lower mississippi delta where i farm here the river's been levity to levee since February, and our local rivers that drain the delta there, they've got the gates closed on them so the water can't back up, and we're just we're running out of places to stuff the water, I guess, is, is our biggest problem. Normally, you know, we get a four- or five-inch rain, and it's gone in 
a couple of days. But right. this one hung around for over a week. Oh yeah, we see we've we've got one of those uh, rainfall events coming our way. I guess through our farm, they're forecasting four inches, maybe even more, out of this next front that's coming through, and and we're already pretty full up here too. So I don't think we have any relief for you coming down the river. <laughs> Probably not. I'm guessing. I was just looking on my email today here that from the from the levee board there. I'm guessing there's probably going to be three to 400,000 acres that doesn't get planted this year because it's underwater and, and, uh, well, there's no relief inside, you know? Yep. Yeah. That's a challenge. That is a challenge. So, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about that, Mark, but, uh, okay. So let's talk about the beans. <laughs> well, so, so you've had, had trouble with the corn, but beans are going in. What trait are you running with? And, uh, and do you have a lot of hope in that to control some of these weeds? Uh, yeah, we're we're using Extend Beans, and uh, we're using uh, uh, Sonic and Metribuzin, you know, pre-emerge, and, and that's been working pretty good for us in the last couple of years. Okay. Try to get it, try to get it out there early, you know, ahead of the planter, so you don't have what what's got us in the past using the Gramoxone burn down and putting the Sonic and the Metribuzin on is you can't kill the weeds that are germinated so we're trying to get out there a couple weeks ahead of time and get everything dead or get it controlled before we get the planter in the field you bet you bet yeah well that's been a good strategy this year i've talked to a number of guys who certainly had plenty of water to activate things but i've talked to quite a few that said it's sure nice going into clean fields uh and i don't see that all over but i know the guys that that were able to get some of that weed control out early it made such a big difference for them uh, we're talking to Mark here on the phone. Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling in, and uh, good luck here with the rest of planting. Yep. All right. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday today. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Ultra Blazer! Kind of sounds like the name of a superhero, doesn't it? Well, to soybean growers it is, because Ultra Blazer from UPL controls the toughest weeds, including pigweed, ragweed, and water hemp. And you can make it part of your resistance management program on all trait-based beans, even dicamba tolerant. Plus, with Ultra Blazer, there are no plant-back concerns. Talk about superpowers! To learn more, contact your crop protection consultant or dealer. Always read and follow label directions. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. 
high electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the STEPS GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Waterhemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean field, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Maybe you need a little pep talk. Maybe you need a little positive vibe coming your way. Uh, how about we send one out to Ohio? We got Chuck on with us right now. Chuck, thanks for joining us. Oh Well, it's good to be with you today. All right, so Brian's been trying to put out all the positive talk he can. Brian, what's your best way to keep Chuck motivated and excited about the 2019 growing season? <laughs> well, uh, well, I guess I'm not sure what his situation is exactly, but all I know is we have been farming on our farm for generations now, and you know we're still here today, and we've gone yeah. through some awful tough times before. The, the the thing, too, is, you know, the, those tough years seem to make you, in, in some cases, better, tougher, smarter, whatever it is. I know our dad talked to us about 1976. I'm going to conservatively say a million times over the years because that was his toughest year. And, I mean, that was drought. So it was the opposite of what we're dealing with this year in a lot of areas where it's super wet. Uh, although we talked a lot about 1993, that was probably his wettest year ever. So, you know, we've got all these these ends of the spectrum. But here was the thing that dad said about 76 time and time. He'd, he'd tell us, oh, 76 was terrible. We had less rain than the Mojave Desert. That was his story <laughs> every time. And, and it was just the worst. But he said, okay, it was terrible. But the next year, we ended up with way more than normal crop. Everything turned out great. And so he goes, you know, we were all panicky, worried, everything else. But the, in the two-year average, we actually turned out fine. Our profitability on the two-year average actually turned out fine. So he said, yep, 76 was awful, but 77 made up for it. And we then we just went about our business after that. But, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's unfortunately just part of farming that things are going to be tough. So tell us what's going on in your farm. Well, we got good news and bad news, of course. Listening to your, your previous guest, the... Uh, uh, you know the the rain we've been getting here doesn't doesn't sound so bad, but it's enough to keep us out of the fields. Uh, 
Yeah. I was ready to plant corn today, but an uh, inch and a half of rain this morning, another inch and a half coming this out this evening, and, and it's going to be put, put me out for a couple more days. But the good news is the hay's growing like crazy. <laughs> I bet it and, is. Uh, and we yeah, and we have a, a good saddle horse uh, hay business here. And, oh, good. And uh, so if we get, ever get it made, yeah. <laughs> get it made right, uh, that'll be fine. Do you, but, uh, do, you, do you know what's the last date for crop full crop insurance in your area for corn? Do you know what the date is? No, I'm I'm sorry, I do not. Uh, uh, I, I guess I'm not with it from that perspective because I don't use insurance. Oh yeah. So I'm uh, so I've I've never looked into that. Um, yeah, the reason but, why I bring uh, that up is because it's May 25th here, and when I, I always say to people, you know, we as farmers like to think that we're pretty smart, and as agronomists we think we're smart, but the insurance companies have all the numbers, and so they really yeah. know. And so that's where, you know, when they say, okay, it's so like for my area, May 25th is the last full crop insurance date, what they're in effect saying is we've got virtually a 100% chance, or at least we haven't lost any yield uh, necessarily just because we've planted late. Because if you look at the yeah. data, it actually isn't too bad once you get a little, little later. And I know last year we had a lot of this same issue, maybe not in your area, but in a lot of areas across the United States, there was very delayed planting. And then we get to the end of the year and I'm thinking all along, oh, all that late planting isn't going to turn out so well. Record yield in total, you know? Right. And so I don't know. I, I guess there, there's, yeah. there's certainly still hope. There's time. Oh yeah, the old timers around here say the late planted crops catch up. Yeah, uh, you know, due to the hotter temperature and the you know, better fit soils and that kind of thing. Yep. I, I have a question for you, sure. if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, my fertilizer dealer has uh, has uh, quit uh, quit providing uh, nitrogen stabilizer, uh, Instinct, and Agritain, and it's gone to something called Excellus Max. And and he says it's got the active ingredients of both of the instinct and agritain in it. Okay. Uh, but what raises my radar is that it only the application rate's only a quarter. Excuse me, <clears throat> one quart per ton. That seems incredibly low. What's your feelings? Is that a good product? Uh, uh I, I'm Darren. Are you looking up that name? I I'm not familiar with that name, but I do know. If you look at the active ingredients in Instinct and Agritain, they've been around for a long time. And so there are other products that are getting made and getting used and sold that are going to be, I'm not going to say the same, but very, very similar. And I do yeah. know that it doesn't take a, a tremendous amount Is for rate. Is it Pinit Max? Excellus Max. E-X-C-E-L-I-S. E X is E X C E L I S. Okay. I anyway, uh, the other thing is with these stabilizers, there are different rates depending on what you are trying to accomplish. So, uh, without looking at that label yet, I'm going to guess, and hopefully Darren will have this label looked up for me. I'm going to guess that there is a rate range depending on what you're trying to accomplish here. So that may be part of it. The other thing is with let's just take Agritain. There are different versions of Agritain. Uh, for example, one will only protect you against volatility. Okay, so I, if I'm putting it into the ground, well, I'm not worried about that. Um, and then there are other kinds that can help protect you against leaching, for example. So what right. what type of loss are you trying to protect against? Right. Well, he claims <clears throat> that this product is good for both 
prevention of volatilization and leaching. Okay. Volatility and Which leaching. Which is great, you know. Yeah, it's also got a root biostimulant in it, according to their label, Brian. Okay, so you got a rate range on that, Darren? Okay, well, Darren's still looking that up. I will just tell you, um, I, I, I there are m- more products all the time that are getting super concentrated. And like for me, I've been on the farm my whole life. I've been very familiar with pesticides and fertilizers my whole life. So I just remember years ago when it used to take just uh, huge amounts to get things accomplished. And anymore, they figured well, out how to concentrate 20, these things. It says 25 ounces per ton of uh, UAN and 32 ounces per ton of dry fertilizer. Yep. What's the active ingredient? Yeah, that's a quart. Yep, that's... Uh, we're yep. putting it on on urea, so that's that's about right. Yep. Okay. So no rate range, though, huh? That, I, I find that interesting. No. Nope. Go ahead. No. Nope. It has NBPT in it, but it's got several other things too. Okay. So uh, that'd be similar to the agritain, not necessarily the instant. But it's not. But it's not the same because it's got other stuff in there. So yes. Yep, and the root biostimulant, and maybe well, who I I don't know, I know nothing about this product other than you just telling us now. So I guess yeah. I got some more reading to do once we get done with the radio show here today, and well, and yeah, uh, make some calls and see what I can find out about this one. Yeah, the the concentration application just seems so low that it just you know it sounds like foo foo dust to me. When but, I'm uh, trying to think, it was Classic and Pinnacle that came out from Dupont. 30 years ago, roughly, and my dad used those exact same words, and he goes, oh, a third of an ounce on a whole acre? That sounds like foo-foo dust to me. That's exactly what he said. And yeah. we used it the first time. We go, oh, I guess that stuff actually does work. So yeah. I, 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 We'll see this year. I'm yep, using it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Chuck, uh, thanks for the calling in today, and we certainly hope that things dry up a little bit for you and you get that crop in and have a great crop this year. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Chuck. Brian, I got one from uh, Brian in Georgia, and he said, Hey, I was considering on send- I was considering sending one of my sons to your field day this summer. Could you send me a little more detailed info on topics covered so that I can see if they are relevant for our operation? Last year's agenda would be fine. Yeah, we're going to have that posted, and I apologize because I thought I was going to have that on there on our Ag PhD website sooner than I have. Um, that's that. That's on me because we pretty much know what we're doing. The only thing we're waiting on is literally where exactly at the field day site some of our different speakers were going to be speaking. But, yeah, we're going to have that up here in just the next few days. So I'd say probably Monday or Tuesday we'll have that information posted on agphd.com. We've got a lot of great guest speakers coming in. Uh, a lot of super high-yield farmers. I am really excited about the Ag PhD Field Day this summer. I don't know. I, I'm going to come off wrong on this, brand, but I almost think if you are farming and utilizing soil, and if you are using plant nutrients to turn those into crops, I can't imagine you aren't going to get some good takeaways from the Field Day when we've got uh, world record growers from a number of different crops, corn, soybeans, wheat, barley. We'll have... Uh, some sorghum growers, sunflowers, edible beans. We'll have cotton here. We'll have a bunch of crops and uh, and some great tips for soil management that will really be relevant just about anywhere. So, yeah, really excited about the Ag PhD Field Day. Again, you can find details at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our show today. Thanks for everybody who called in as well. Be sure to join us again next week, next week each weekday, for more Ag PhD Radio.